The Sound of Hockey episode 248. We're calling this one the Martin Jones episode. Why are we calling it that, John? Well, it's an end of an era in Krakenland mm-hmm. because Martin Jones has signed with the Toronto Maple Leafs for one year. Okay. Martin Jones, he's quite the record holder of the Kraken here. Okay. So he's got the best single season record as far as winning percentage, 675. Okay. He did have a great record, actually, yes, he with did. the Kraken. <laughs> Most shutouts ever uh-huh. in Kraken history. In the long... And single season. Yeah. Weird how that works. Uh, most wins in a single season, 27. And most goals allowed in a single game. Right, which was the uh, Los Angeles Kings game. That's right. The 10-9 game. And as far as overall save percentage, single season, he ranks fifth in Kraken goalie history of single season save percentage. Fifth for save percentage? Yeah. Behind Grubauer? Two Grubauers, two years okay. of Grubauer. So he's his save percentage this year was worse than both of Philip Grubauer's save percentages. That's right. Wow. And yeah. yet the Kraken played that well yes. in front of him. That's crazy. It's insane. I remember yeah. early this season we looked at the goal support. Uh-huh. And at one time I think he had one extra goal per game uh than Grubauer got. Like yeah. Grubauer was like Yeah, I remember trying that. to pitch yeah. shutouts to only to win. Right. right. So we love Jones for what he did. Mm-hmm. Perfect stopgap. I think uh, somebody at Sound of Hockey tweeted that today. Well, X'd that. And uh, <laughs> but you know, he when he was signed with the Kraken, it was like, all right, Drieger's hurt. They need somebody on a one-year deal that can be reliable. Not only was he reliable, I think he far exceeded expectations in terms of what he brought to the team. Other than maybe the save percentage piece of it, but I mean, he got them Other through than that, that that whole stretch solid. though. Yeah. When Grubauer was hurt relatively early in the year, that he was what got them on track. He was red hot for a while, and like when Grubauer came back, there was even some controversy. Like, well, do we want to play well, Martin Jones? I don't know. And I, I question the red hotness. Actually, he I think, was no. He was no, objectively awesome for the, a stretch. The team of time. was awesome. Yeah, in I front guess. of him though. Um, but I think okay, this is a chicken or the egg thing. Was the team in front of him? By the way, Curtis is here. Hey, Curtis. Hi, everyone. We haven't done intros yet. Right. I know. We'll get there. Um, <laughs> but I just, I felt like he was being quiet because we didn't want to like- Ruin the surprise. Ruin this big surprise that Curtis is here with yeah. us again. Now we just <laughs> underwhelming <laughs> announced it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, chicken or the egg, right? Was the team playing well in front of Martin Jones because they were very confident that if they made a mistake, Martin Jones would bail them out? Or were the was Martin Jones playing well because the team was confident in front of him? I think that when Martin Jones showed up and started playing really well when Grubauer got hurt, the team got confident in front of him, and then that's when they started playing really well. That's what I think, because that was part of the narrative for a while. I remember that. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, uh, uh, it fair. is episode 248. This is Sound of Hockey. I am Darren Brown at Darren Fun Brown on X. Joined, as always, by John Barr. Hello, John. Hello, everybody. I'm NHL to Seattle on the X. <laughs> we're also joined by Curtis Izaki. Welcome back, Curtis. Hi there, everyone. I'm Deep Sea Hockey, and we're going with the X now. Is that... I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Right. Whatever you want to call it. I don't know if I'm going to call it X Man, next their, week. Man, their yeah. branding is so good where it says now, instead of retweet, it's repost. But then if you... Um, like hover over it. It says so and so retweeted this. Yeah, like they like haven't figured all that. How knee jerk of a thing was that? It seemed like they just decided to do that overnight. Anyway, we do have a review to share. A five star review. It comes from Caps Fan One Fifty Two. It says, "Great sounds of hockey." 
Five stars. Uh, I was looking for a Seattle Kraken blog at the start of the inaugural season when I found the multimedia force that is the Whoa. sound of hockey. Darren and John cover so much of the hockey world on the podcast through their conversations, segments, and interviews, and it's my must-listen podcast when a new episode comes out. I miss Andy, stick taps, but I enjoy Curtis joining from time to time and posting on the website. If it doesn't break the budget, maybe do <laughs> budget. <laughs> if it doesn't break the budget, maybe do a couple of 0.5 episodes with Josh about prospects. Interesting request. Oh, yeah. I, I bet like we Josh. can make that happen. Yeah. Uh, keep up the great work, Brian. So thank you, Brian. Although uh, now I've, I'm starting to believe that you're actually a Caps fan based on your name there. But I um, really appreciate that five-star review. Leave your five-star review in Apple Podcasts if you haven't already, and we'll read it on our next show. I don't want to say next week because we've been on like an every other week cadence here over the <laughs> so last basically we need, month. We need time for content to build up yes. before we'll – Slim Pickens, even today, I think uh, – we were scraping a little bit, we'll, but we'll yeah, see. Yeah, we'll get through we it. we got some fun stuff I bet we up. have minimum yeah. 30 minutes of content for Famous you. Famous last words. Well, yeah. that's the opposite of what usually happens, right? It's usually, I think this will be a short show, and then we run like an hour and 20 minutes because yeah. we get off the rails talking about like, I don't Rem, know. Rem Pitlick or something. Rem Pitlick, who is about to make an appearance very shortly. Um, okay, our Kraken news. Martin Jones has signed for one year with the Toronto Maple Leafs at $875,000. Good for him. And that concludes our Kraken news. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I mean, we pretty much summed it up already in the open of the show. But, uh, you know, like I said, great stopgap. Now we have a little bit of uh, competition here with Chris Drieger and good friend of the pod, Joey DeCord. I guess they're both friends of the pod. Um, but also good good friend of the pod, Joey DeCord. That's right. Good, good, good friend. Because mm-hmm. we've been on Vying four, for, three or four times. Uh, has it been that many? I thought it was only... At least three. Is that three? Okay. Yeah. Um, but vying for... Um, the backup spot. So there you go. Kraken adjacent news is what we're calling this. This is how desperate we (laughs) are uh, for content this week. We have uh, a a new area called Kraken adjacent news. Hopefully Uh, it's just an off season thing, right? Yeah, I think so. So our Kraken adjacent news, and the only reason we're calling these, uh, really they're all just like player transactions, but we're calling them Kraken adjacent because many, well, some out there thought that any of these three players could end up with the Kraken, myself included, on at least one of the three, maybe two of the three. Less so on this first one, which is Eric Carlson getting traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins. I never thought that was quite a fit, although the rumor continued to swirl from um, you know, bigger names out there that that the Kraken were interested. And there probably was a little smoke. Yeah. You know, and I don't know anything. I don't know. Curtis, do you know anything? Any insider information? <laughs> I have no insider information, yeah. but do you know anything? Period. Just about anything. Um, <laughs> I'll get back to you on that. Okay. <laughs> do some research. Uh, so Pittsburgh in this deal, it ends up being a three-team trade. Pittsburgh gets Eric Carlson, Dylan Hamlick, and Kraken killer Rem Pitlick. Do you know he has Hamlick, former Seattle Thunderbird, by the way? Okay. Pitlick has four goals and five points in three games against the Seattle Kraken because he had a hat trick when he was with the Minnesota Thank Wild. Thank God he's in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Get him out of here, man. Um, <laughs> and clearly he's the cornerstone of this deal. So that's who Pittsburgh gets. San Jose gets Mike Hoffman, Mikhail Granlund, Jan Ruda. That's the good Granlund. Uh, Jan Ruda and a first-round pick in 2024. Uh, that is lottery protected, I think. And Montreal gets Jeff Petrie, who I didn't remember wasn't on Montreal anymore. <laughs> uh, Casey DeSmith, Nathan Legare, and a 2025 second round pick. 
So who can explain that one to me like I'm five? Like, how did that one work out? Anybody understand it? So uh, yeah, I can take a shot. Um, so Pittsburgh wanted Eric Carl- Carlson. Because they uh, they're thought that they were a little too young. They're, they needed a little bit more uh, veteran experience in the group, <laughs> yeah, for no. sure. Although, actually, it's interestingly enough, uh, by adding Carlson and subtracting Petrie and, you know, may- maybe they even got younger here. But mm-hmm. um, uh, certainly not young, though. Uh, so they needed to subtract some salary, um, but San Jose didn't want to retain a big deal of the salary. So, um, so that's where Montreal comes in. Uh, some pieces, Jeff Petrie in particular, goes to Montreal. And uh, to take on that contract, Montreal picks up a second-round pick uh, from Pittsburgh. And then uh, uh, Pittsburgh gets Carlson, and San Jose gets a first-round pick from uh, Pittsburgh. And then uh, a few flyers, uh, not Philadelphia flyers, right. not gritty flyers. Um, the, not new era of orange flyers. No, no, that, <laughs> right. uh, just kind of veterans that it looks like San Jose, maybe if they have bounce back season San Jose could then flip mm-hmm. uh, but kind of players that can fill out a roster on a team that's probably not going very far in the short term so the Pittsburgh Penguins um, the the joke going around on Twitter was that Kyle Dubas has a new core four which of course was he had in Toronto uh, he now has Chris Letang who's 37 years old 6.1 million dollars Evgeny Malkin 37 years old 7.1 million dollars Sidney Crosby 36 years old million, and Eric Carlson, the young buck of that crew, at 33 years old, $10 million. So, core four. A couple things here is Pittsburgh's window is, like, closing. and so fast. They, you know, this was a pretty big deal, and and most people are saying Pittsburgh did really well with this. Yes. But having that 10, because, so San Jose retained 13%, only, like, 1.5 million, and uh, Pittsburgh's on the hook for 10 10 million a year for Eric Carlson for the rest for the next four years. That's a lot. Like the last two years, who knows how that's looking. But, you know, if you think you have a window to win, I mean, they didn't even make the playoffs last year, but they have a good chance. Uh, I mean, as any to make the playoffs and with those guys that you just listed off, it's as good as any as long as they stay healthy. Yeah, I think they needed to make a choice. They either needed to do something to kind of re energize this window and try and squeeze another year or two out of it, or they needed to move on they were not going to move on. They still had the other three veterans there. I, I and think the cupboards are empty in they're, Pittsburgh. They're yeah. empty. Uh, so to get Eric Carlson for the next, for the next, maybe the next two years at this remaining quality this window, Eric Carlson, two years. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully for, for yeah. Uh, you know, just essentially a first round pick and a second round pick. I, I think it makes sense. And, and San Jose is the other side of the coin where it didn't seem like they got a lot for the North, the reigning Norris uh, trophy winner. But keep in mind that salary is 10 million. And like you pointed out, you pointed out, um, you guys pointed out. You're, he nodded at both of us. Just yeah, so sorry, you when guys. When he says you, first he meant Darren, second he meant Curtis. So <laughs> you guys, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the rest uh, of you in the room pointed the out the fact that they didn't retain is why the return was so small uh-huh. for them. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, Montreal is just part of the money laundering scheme. So, um, which I frankly don't really understand i mean is san jose going to be competitive uh, like really competitive in the next four years why they didn't retain why they didn't retain to get more assets it seems like i mean m- maybe i haven't taken a close enough look at their system to know but no it, no it they're seems not going like to be competitive in the next couple of years yeah no, no. it seems like they should have retained more to get more but it just could one have been the view. realities of the owner saying we don't want to pay a lot of money for somebody that's not playing for could the be. team um yeah they certainly could have and they probably well 
who knows how they would have made the numbers work. But the reality is, like you said, they could flip some of these guys and all of a sudden the returns even more than just the first round pick. So that said, this is Kraken adjacent segment. Mm -hmm. If you were Seattle, would you want Eric Carlson at 10 million a year for the next four years? No, I don't think so. And that was why it never really made a ton of sense to me. I just think with, I mean, I think if they could have gotten uh, San Jose to retain like closer to half of it. You you would have had to pay more though. Well, yeah. Would you would you say first round for Carlson? First round uh, for Carlson. I think so. I mean, it's just tough because they're they're in such a they're still in such a like build out phase of their prospect cupboard, you know. And they've done a really good job here over the last uh, three three drafts. But um, you know, I just think I don't know if they're quite at a position yet to give up first round picks. And that's what we said at the deadline too. I was like, I don't know if they if they quite want to do that yet. So I I don't know if I would have done it. But it is interesting that that they continued to. It sounds like they continued to kick the tires, right? Yeah. At least according to the reports that were out there. So um, they must have been somewhat interested in clearly they knew what the price was going to be, you know, to be able to get him. So, um, yeah, I, I don't I, know. I would have considered it. I mean, the, the timeline for like the next four years, if you think of the next four years as kind of the shelf life of this current version of the team, as long as you're not like kind of crippling what comes next. So you're not giving up maybe more than a first round pick, for example, Um this team is maybe one dynamic offensive playmaker away from being in the Western Conference Finals uh, this past year. So no sure thing they get back anywhere near that close again. Uh, but if you add an off, like dynamic offensive player to this team, uh, they could be in, they you know could be in the mix again in the Western Conference playoffs, and uh, that's kind of what I'm hoping for with this version of the team. Yeah, I don't. I just don't. I don't think Carlson would have guaranteed. He doesn't guarantee anything because he's not a deeper like, defensively. He's not very good. Yeah, you love talking about his defense. Well, yeah, <laughs> most people do. Yeah. But uh, he's really good in all the offensive. Categories, sure. Of course so, he is. But yeah. but I don't think I mean, he didn't guarantee anything for Ottawa or San Jose, you know, like and I know that Seattle's in a much better position as a team. But I just also we've talked about it before. The, the Kraken got a lot of players that had career years last year right You're there's right. a total yeah. possibility that a lot of them are going to have a little bit of a slump compared to this past year so you know it's just I, I don't know i just i don't think he guarantees anything um and i think it's a it's a risky contract to take on so if they had gotten him would i have been excited about it probably let's be honest yeah. i probably would have been pretty pumped but i'm also like yeah i'm kind of glad that they didn't take that on because it I, feels I risky it to feels clear, risky to me so. to be clear i am too and i i just don't i never saw it like you from the beginning, I wasn't sure how this was even a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll circle back to some Kraken news. But I, I mean, at the end of the day, I think I agree as well. I, yeah. I, I don't think it makes sense. Uh, but I do think this team could still use someone who can bring a little offensive juice. Yep. Speaking of which, and players that we that I thought could maybe be a fit, and it's funny that uh, it's not the first time that Vladimir Tarasenko... <laughs> remember the expansion draft people are like oh get Tarasenko get Tarasenko I thought he could maybe be a fit for the Kraken especially as it got later into the summer here and he wasn't signed uh, but he signs a one-year deal with the Ottawa Senators speaking of the Ottawa Senators who we just mentioned a moment ago uh, one-year deal at five million dollars and also a player that I think John you had seen a fit for uh, at some point Matt Dumba uh, he goes to the Arizona Coyotes for one year 3.9 million right you thought he was a fit yep, at some yep, point that's right yeah yeah. Okay. You want to talk about it? I don't know. Do you have anything that you want to add to that? Or I think I think Tarasenko would have been interesting. I don't. I still don't really understand where he would have fit in the lineup. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it, theoretically, they their top nine pretty well set. 
Um, I think that's not saying that Tarasenko isn't better than the top nine, but um, I think you want to improve more than that if you're bumping, like, I mean, what do you do? Bump Tolvanen down to the fourth line or something like that? Yeah, I don't, probably. I don't, that seems like somebody who's on the kind of on a good trajectory with the crack, and that's not something you want to do. I mean, Bjorkstrand doesn't belong on the fourth line. Um, no, but that was kind of my argument all around, right? Or all summer yeah. long was like, hey, if we want to get better, if we want the Kraken to get better, uh, they need to improve at the top is what I always thought rather than like getting deeper. And that's that's really what Tarasenko would have done is, is a middle six. Yeah, and then forward. move somebody down. Right, but I so. just don't think it upgrades that much. Well, for so Okay, over I, what they have, you're right, saying. Yeah. Right, yeah. I mean, I, this could be me, like it's human behavior to – you value something you have more mm-hmm. than something you don't. And so I'm valuing our current players more than probably their actual value. Yeah. But um, but he's also a year removed from 34 goals and 48 assists. And this past year, even though he didn't, you know, by all accounts have like that great of a year, he still had 18 goals. So, you know, he's a true offensive star if things go. And he's a shooter. According to plan. Yeah. And they need to improve on the power play. Right. So... I would have liked it. I would have liked that one. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, they. I mean, I, I'm naive to think that he wouldn't have been, made the team better, right? right? To not to not think that. So anyway, all um, right. That's our crack and adjacent news. Speaking of the Arizona Coyotes, I think we're gonna have some pretty hot segues in this oh, one. Yeah. For the record, uh, ooh, and hot. That's good because it's really hot in yeah. Arizona. The Coyotes have purchased some land in Mesa, Arizona, and we're back at square one. Okay. We're starting over on all this. Can you explain this to me, John? Like if I M5? put that in the show notes, I apologize. You did. they did not buy land. They have a letter of intent oh, to buy sorry. land in Mesa. Coyotes LOI, which I thought you were laughing at them. I thought that was, a oh, L- no, I I thought that was LOL. No, I don't make fun of Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> uh, coyotes LOI. Letter of intent. I didn't so, get that abbreviation. That's on me, sorry. actually. No, okay. that's on me. Right. You All don't right. need to apologize. I didn't get the abbreviation. Okay. That's on me. Somebody would have fixed, corrected us in the in the room, right? Um, I would have gotten there. Basically, it's a it's probably an option on land mm-hmm. saying if they can get approved, you know, for an arena there, they will buy the land. Um, and it sounds like there's going to explore other options as well. Probably it's good to have a couple options when you're negotiating with whoever you need to negotiate in these things, whether it be the city or other places. So we've said that saga continues and it is, and we don't know when, how this will end. We'll have to keep an eye on this, but this is a slow, slow burner. We're not going to get resolution anytime soon. So, um, but it appears they're trying to keep the team there. So this particular announcement, I mean, they were quick to publicize it and LOI is not a firm commitment. I mean, you can get out of those. This feels like a piece of PR. I mean, they said almost immediately that they were going to look at other sites as well. So this just feels like we've entered into an LOI out there to give kind of confidence to the fan base and, it, and keeping and them in Arizona. You may, you might know the answer to this or not, but usually there's no money tied to an LOI, right? Like it's one thing to have an option on a land, like I said, which is usually like you ha- you've got a, like a non-refundable deposit or something like that. Um, but a LOI is like, hey, I like your car. I'd like to buy it someday. Let's I'll sign a letter of intent that I plan to negotiate with you to buy it. <laughs> yeah, here yeah. are the general terms of yeah. of, of, yeah. of what a transaction might look like. Typically, there isn't money involved. At that I, have point. A, I have a question for you. I'm looking at a map of Phoenix right now, and I know that like the argument against where they played before yeah. in Glendale was like, oh, it's so hard to get there, right? Glendale looks to me, and I don't know the 
geography of Phoenix very well, but it looks to me like Glendale is about the same distance, just in a different from direction. From Phoenix, you mean? Yeah, from like the middle of Phoenix to Mesa the, the, versus middle of Phoenix to Glendale. The East Valley is where Mesa is. Right. And Scottsdale. Yep. And kind of Phoenix is close there. And Tempe. So that's yeah. like a more popular, populous area. Yes. Denser, okay. probably. Um, and more money. Got it. As well. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I All right. kind of think of it as the you know the players live in Scottsdale. It's like the Bellevue equivalent, so that might be more okay. more appealing. Okay. All right. Thank you for clearing that up. Because land's Appreciate really cheap in Seattle, right? Um. Yeah. You can just throw out an LOI, <laughs> yeah. and it's yours, pretty much. Yeah. Is you I think how it works. LOL. If you that's want right. To. You can yeah. you can LOL <laughs> the idea of putting down an LOI. I'm going to start just throwing around IOUs, actually, similar to. <laughs> To in uh, in Dumb and Dumber, see that one, twenty mil. That's a that's an arena right there. Um, that wouldn't be enough for an arena. Twenty mil, uh, way off. Um, okay, uh, junior junior arena maybe. Yeah, more. Um, you think so? I don't think you'd build. I think an arena I think for... there's been junior arenas built for in the last twenty years for less than twenty million. Okay, well maybe we can talk about the cost of an arena on a topic coming up here. Maybe there, there could be um, one here. We'll see. I'm actually not sure which one you're referencing, but... It's a surprise. Um, oh, I gotcha. There's gotcha. still some yeah. Kraken adjacent news uh, in the junior levels. Is that what you're referencing? No, not yet. Okay. Nope, not yet. Um, the World Junior Summer Showcase happened, and there were four Kraken prospects that participated. Niklas Koko and Visa Vedenpa were the two goalies that performed, participated for Finland. Meanwhile, yeah. Meanwhile, meanwhile, <laughs> Yanni Newman and uh, well, he played also for Finland, and Zeb Forsfjall played for Sweden. Uh, Curtis, I believe you watched a lot of this—not really tournament, but this exhibition thing. Yeah, first of all, very much enjoyed your pronunciations there, and thank you for taking that off my plate. <laughs> thank um, you, uh, just stellar. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a it's a tune up event for the World Juniors that comes later. It's essentially just an opportunity for the national teams to bring some of the players they their core players work on line combinations, but also bring players who are kind of on the margins and see if they might be good candidates for the team. Um, uh, Visa Vedenpa is a good example, a goalie for for Finland. He he's not going to be in the mix for this year's team but uh clearly he's thought of highly enough by you know team finland that maybe he's on the radar for next year because he's a year younger than nicholas coco Mm -hmm. so he could be he could be a consideration for the 2025 world juniors but again it's just essentially a four game stretch to give the teams a chance for evaluation uh team canada didn't have something like that this summer for funding reasons but uh but yeah i watched it pretty closely uh i thought uh nicholas coco in particular looked looked pretty good uh i can't claim to be any type of goalie scout but he, he certainly takes up a lot of the net and uh performed pretty well uh across the four games and uh, well, he started three of the four games, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I think he's at the top of top of the list of in Finland right now for his age group, which is a good place yeah, to be at the top of the list of. Saw people forecasting him as the starting goalie for World Juniors, so that seems like a good thing because yeah. generally speaking, Finland has produced an okay goalie or two over the years. So if you have an okay goalie and you're the most okay in all of Finland at your <laughs> age group. Theoretically, that's a good thing. So the crack might have gotten a good one there. You liked what you saw from Zeb Forsfjall as well. Am I correct on that? Considering where the Kraken picked him and and all those things, Absolutely. he's an interesting player. Uh, he actually on the Sound of Hockey big board, he was ranked closer to like 100. Mm-hmm. So he was higher thought of in the in the public realm than where he ended up going in the draft. Uh, but I, I liked what I saw from him in this uh, this little tune up event. Uh, he's 
you know, even playing with, you know, first, second round picks all over the ice, uh, young, fast players. He stood out as fast and uh, effective in, in his play style. He seemed kind of like the, you know, kind of like the Yanni Gord type that you don't like to play against because he's just always buzzing like around that. you and, Comp. Uh, yeah. you know, kind of taking the puck away from you when, when you don't expect it. So, mm-hmm. um, again, like with Coco and like with any of these guys, a long, long way to go uh, before before we'll see them. Uh, but I liked what I saw from him for a sixth-round pick in particular. I thought he looked excellent. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Canada won the Holinka gretzky Cup, uh, even though you just said they didn't do a thing like this. But they did participate in the Holinka gretzky Cup. Uh, United States took home the bronze medal. John, did you watch a little bit of this I did tournament? watch a little bit. Now, yeah. this, is, this is interesting. Uh, U.S. doesn't sound the program players. So this mm. is all mostly USHL or even, I guess none of them would be in college, but, but or U.S. high school type guys. Um, so they don't really put their best team for this age group out there. Uh, Canada usually does. Now, one one person missing was Macklin Celebrini, who's kind of the, cons- I don't want to say, yeah, he's probably the consensus number one right now. Um, but a couple standouts, uh, Berkeley Catton, who's from Spokane Chiefs, uh, he lit it up. He led the led the tournament in in points and goals. Um, should be a top five pick, and so you know keep that in mind when Spokane's coming to town. Couple other kind of standouts. There's a 2025 eligible center from uh, Czechia, Adam Benek, who just lit it up as well, being so young and kind of. Uh, probably, I think he led the team, the Czechia team for. Um, goals. So, and then in the U.S. side, again, keep in mind no program guys. Uh, this guy Trevor Conley uh, had five goals and five assists in his five games. Uh, he's gonna. I don't know where he projects, but probably a, a top round. Fun, fun tournament to watch in August. The footage is always a little interesting, and then there's problems with fog at times. Uh, <laughs> so, other than that, it was uh, pretty enjoyable. But um, yeah, it's like the kickoff event. I'm surprised Curtis didn't watch that but mm-hmm. I guess he chose to use the world junior he's focused on world juniors until until December or yeah January. yeah my, yeah. my, my valuable uh, time is spent on the world juniors but yeah no u18 team team for mm-hmm. Canada u17 mm-hmm. yeah, that's fine. Boy, that was a lot of uh, World Showcase and Holinka Gretzky talk there. You just sat back and... Yeah. Okay. I didn't have much to contribute, so I'm just hanging. But while we're on the talk of junior hockey and Team Canada, et cetera, uh, some slightly troubling news this past week. His friend of the pod, Dennis Williams, was under investigation after a complaint was made to... What's it called? Safe Sport or Safe... Safe Sport in the U.S., yeah. um, About some... I guess, just mistreatment of players and things like that, um, or at least one player. Uh, and Inappropriate. Yeah. So Conduct? The alle- I don't know. The allegations were kind of weird, and you guys can go read them if you want to. Um, but since that first report came out, like just a few days later, the Everett Silvertips put out a statement saying that he had been cleared by both uh, Safe Sport and by the WHL. So they participated in the investigation, all that jazz and uh they you know the investigation found no real wrongdoing wrongdoing. so um i don't know i mean the like here's one of the allegations was that he used the team shower and came out wrapped in a towel yeah that's yeah well i don't i don't know like is not sure what's wrong with that well what's Um, i don't know what's the you know, that said, I, I do want to say like safe sport these are, exists. These are kids, yeah. so yeah. I don't know. I I don't know. 
I don't know if that was if that's wrong or not. Like I kind of I'm like if you're the only one in there and you're showering and it's a shower, that's kind of what's for. But I don't know. It seems like it's relatively fixable too if yeah. it is an issue. Yeah. Um, Safe sport exists so that if somebody sees something wrong happen or mm-hmm. thinks they see something, you can kind of you know it's like a hotline almost that you can kind of file a complaint or just an investigation and and they usually take these things seriously and you know like in youth hockey because I have to get safe sport trained to coach is you know uh, something I mean I've never been around where anything's happened or anybody's asked me about things that have happened um, so I don't totally know but i know the training is is it exists so it's a safe spot for people to go if they see some wrongdoing or some potential wrongdoing and and i think ideally the investigation happened now what's tricky here is it got out that there was an investigation and that's that's not good for anybody um including the person filing the complaint now I, I worry about what kind of signal it says to other people who might file complaints because then they their name might be uh, out there that they filed a complaint and so that's what's troubling and so part of me is a little irritated at the original report mm-hmm. that was released that there's an ongoing there's an investigation um, into somebody right um, yeah that's a good point because I it sends a, it sends a weird signal to somebody who might complain about or see something that or they might be wronged mm-hmm. and now they're reluctant to do it. So because it's a it's a position, you know, the coach is in a position of power and if he finds out who submitted the complaints and kind of dragged him through the mud publicly, right? Is that what you're kind of getting at there? Uh, a little of that. I mean, theoretically Dennis Williams probably knew who filed the complaint. Yeah. But now it comes out there's no findings and so the the next person might come around and go, "Well, I don't want to be like chastised for something that might not be no big deal. I don't yeah. want that to get public. Yeah, yeah. Okay. In a way. So I, I don't know, you know, because I'm not an expert in these situations, but I worry about that. I, I think I think it somebody might have jumped the gun on reporting it. That's kind of what I'm getting at. I don't think we would have known or talked about it had the investigation happened. Like it shouldn't you shouldn't if something, you know, there's no wrongdoing, that shouldn't be public information as far as I'm concerned. Hmm. I don't know. Um okay. Any opinions there, Curtis? Yeah, I mean the allegations here, I mean, they seem they seemed like very context specific, like walking out. You could do the same, you know, walking with a towel in two different contexts and it could be totally fine in the one hand or on the other hand, a threatening or, or inappropriate type of behavior. Mm-hmm. I, I certainly believe that. And so these allegations, based on what we know, I mean, it's just it's hard to, you know, they did the investigation. How much can you really find out about like the context behind these things in an investigation. I'm not sure. Um, it's, uh, you know, I was concerned when I saw it. It's yeah. not something you want to see. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I feel I feel uneasy about it still, but it does seem like there was a process and they couldn't find anything that was inappropriate behavior. So. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, not talk about that anymore. Is this what you were referencing here? Yes. On yes. The, the arena thing? Okay. So um, this isn't really hockey news at all, but again, we're we're looking. Um, obviously, there's a big ripple in college sports, though, this week as UW and uh, Oregon decided that they were leaving the Pac-12, which means that UW is now going to the Big Ten. And we couldn't help but wondering, because the Big Ten does have a hockey conference, could there be a world in which Big Ten hockey has a team in the Seattle area via 
UW. Certainly popped into my mind too. Yeah. I don't have any. Uh, the don't first have any, thing that crossed my mind. Don't, don't have any. Thing. Don't have any sources on it or anything. But mm-hmm. yeah, but certainly, I mean, they'd need a, they'd need an arena yeah. or they'd need some type. They of need space a donor, right? I mean, that's really what it is. I I don't know if. Uh, I guess I don't know. I mean, this whole this whole thing is about money anyway. So maybe the athletic program sees a but but I think historically when a new hockey team is uh, formed in college hockey, you know, a division one hockey team, it's usually because there's there's a donor that says we want there to be a hockey program and they fund it is historically how it yep. happens. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Penn State being kind of the latest. Yeah. That, Arizona State, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, same thing. But I mean, yeah, I think uh, like one of the big challenges, though, is you have a team that's in the the Northwest just off on its own. There's there's no hockey teams anywhere close. Right. There's a couple in Alaska, which also aren't close. Uh, there's a couple in there's one in Arizona now, which is not that close. Uh, there's one there's one, uh, one in Colorado. Right. Colorado. No, College, there's a couple. Which one? Oh, Denver University is there. Is Air Force in Colorado as well? Who? Air, Air Force? Force? Yes, I guess you're right. So there's a few. Okay. But anyway, um, nonetheless, right? Like Washington's kind of off on its own in, in terms of Division One hockey if, uh, if a team were to be put here. So, so I, I mean, I think you nailed it. The logistics of it makes it challenging and, and it's also important. But with a conference, that However, changes things a little bit. Also, but yeah. there's a lot of teams in the Big Ten right now, the current Big Ten, that do not have college teams. That's true. Yeah. Um, so it just being in the conference doesn't now mm, you put a team in Oregon as well and it becomes a little more interesting. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot that needs to happen and there always has been even before this announcement to get Div 1 hockey here. First and foremost, the donor slash arena, like however you want to spin that, it's both of them need to happen because they're probably related. Yeah. And uh, I don't think that either of the junior arenas are viable for this purpose. I don't think they would want to share with I think the they would have it at KCI as an interim period before yeah. you'd ha- you'd go to those other arenas. Which is so small for Division 1 hockey. Like that's not a that's it's not a long-term similar to what I think ASU played in before they went to or as they were building yeah. uh, Mullet Arena. Yeah. Um I mean, I, I've been to Northeastern, and Northeastern's like tiny. Have you been to Northeastern? I haven't. I actually have as well. It's, yeah, it's the super. Pretty, that's the super old building, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty tiny. It is, but it's like it feels like a venue. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. KCI is incredible for what it is. It's beautiful, but it's a practice arena, and you know it when you walk in there. Like it's not a, it's not a venue. Hey, they they can have AHL games there. That's true. Yeah. So, and supposedly the club team plays out at KCI and they, their attendance has been much better than since they moved there mm-hmm. from Montlake Terrace. So. Well, not supposedly they play there. They just play there. The attendance has been better. Supposedly yeah. better. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think there's a long way before we add Div 1 hockey to UW, but I believe the move to the Big Ten makes it a little bit closer yeah. to happening mm-hmm. just because it's, it's more clean alignment with the conference itself like you said it's funny it came up in monday my monday skate in the locker room a couple of people brought it up and mm-hmm. we're chatting about it because there's a couple of coaches at play right uh, in my skate so. right the thing that made me most excited about this move which i know not everybody likes this move by any means but as a wisconsin badger i'm very excited that, to U-dubs? Well, no the fact that now the badgers are theoretically in every sport going to be visiting that's true u-dub yeah. regularly so that's yeah. pretty awesome. Um, okay. 
Uh, we're going to go back to some Kraken talk now. I know that we didn't have a lot of Kraken news, but we did want to do a quick roundtable discussion. Hey, we're I know we're pushing we're it, getting we? this yeah. thing out there. This is going to be uh, a full episode here, um, which is impressive. We have just talked about absolute nonsense for yeah. Now minutes. we're going to start talking. Now real let's stuff. get down yeah. to the real brass tacks here. Um, okay, so. We're going to do a roundtable. We have four questions. We're going to go around. We're going to give our answers. I'm sure it will spark incredibly intelligent debate, certainly, um, but they're all Kraken related. Our first question, your favorite Kraken off-season move? And there were some big ones this off-season, <laughs> oh, let yeah. me tell you. So what's your favorite off-season move, John? Uh, I'm going to go with signing of Pierre-Edward Belmar. Okay. I'll tell you why. It's very small signing. Well. But he is the only player that will have a positive face-off percentage on the team, <laughs> career-wise. Um, right. I think he adds uh, a little bit of PK as well. The PK, you know, it had its moments last year, but as a whole, it was kind of bottom third in the league. So second half, it was better. Mm-hmm. Um, but As I, documented on Sound of Hockey. That's right. Com. I know, I know. I know who, okay. right. who documented I'll it, just, talked about know. it. I think it's a sneaky pick that improves a couple areas of the team without really taking anything away. Granted, he does he's not the scoring that kind of disappeared this offseason from that fourth line, but I think he could be a, a sneaky good pick, uh pick up by the Kraken of this offseason. Curtis? I guess I'll kinda do the flip side of that. I think probably Kyler Yamamoto has has the most upside to provide that offense that the Kraken might have lost when they lost Daniel Sprong, Morgan Geeky, Ryan Donato. Uh, Kyler Yamamoto has a, a history uh, of, of scoring uh, at the NHL level. And I think he might have a little bit uh, of untapped potential in there in that he was he spent the vast majority of his time uh, kind of playing in the shadow of um, either Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl. And they kind of put him into a, a low puck possession kind of net front kind of role. Uh, I think he's got a little bit more skill than that. So if he's just on kind of a, a crack in line where it's dynamic and you're you're pushing your advantage when you have it, uh, you could see a little bit more puck possession, a little more skill game from him. So I'm curious to see how it works out. It's another low risk signing like the one that John mentioned. Uh, so, you know, if he, if he doesn't work out, who knows, he might end up in the AHL. But I like I like the potential there. When you say he played in their shadow, is that because he's pretty small and they're taller than him? It's like the oh, shadow... Man. No. Okay. Um, next question. Biggest. <laughs> what's your biggest question? <laughs> question about questions. What's your biggest question mark going into training camp for this team? Oh, I didn't give my favorite offseason move. My favorite offseason move was bringing back Joey Decord. Oh, hell because yeah. Because I think that that could have gone the other way, certainly. Uh, he was a free agent. And, you know, I, I think that he got rewarded for playing really, really well in the AHL. And now I think he's going to have a shot to land the Kraken backup role this next year. So that's pretty cool. I really like that they rewarded him for that. Uh, That's my favorite move. Okay. Now your biggest question mark going into training camp. What do you got, John? Fourth line center. Yeah. Uh, I I just don't, I mean, the fourth line is going to be completely new or probably new, but is it going to be Belmar, Shane Wright? It's still a question, right? Mm -hmm. And his AHL eligibility. And then there's also John Hayden, who I think is like a dark horse to, yeah. to be the fourth line center, but you know, any injuries he could kind of slip in there as well. So that's, that's kind of my biggest question mark. I mean, that's not a bad question mark to have going into camp, but that's mine. 
Okay, I'll go next this time. I think uh, who makes the team, right? Kind of a similar question to what mm. you're asking there. But I think there's a couple of spots that are up for grabs, which is great. I like that we're going in with a little bit of competition. But uh, yeah, like the the Ty Cartiers of the world, the Cole Lins of the world, the Shane Wrights of the world, uh, John Hayden, another example, as you just mentioned, who of that group makes the team out of camp does it make sense to keep them with the team if they're going to be healthy scratches you know um does it make sense to keep them with the team if they're going to play fourth line minutes who knows so i I think it'll be interesting i remember last season we had similar questions because there were more players certainly that we thought could be on the team than answers i thought daniel sprong was one of those guys last year it was like huh i wonder how he's going to fit in this year and remember he was on a pto um so i guess he wasn't even under contract at all but then he he showed up and just like took it by the horn played great in in every skate uh every preseason game he was like he was one of their best players in preseason and so yeah i'm curious to see who that's going to be this year who's going to take it by the horns and just take the job and i'll go in a little bit of a different direction my question is whether they can the team can come up with a solution to get more production on the power play um from year one Ooh, to two, good pick. They they were able to uh, generate better shot quality five on five. The goals followed. the The power play has just been an issue, a steady issue across the first two years, where they're just they're not getting good zone time. They're not generating good quality shots, and it looks like just mind's eye looking at it. It looks like they're they play pretty static. They're not moving around. They're not generating opportunities the way you see other teams do sometimes. Um, and so I'm just curious if there's if they can implement in training camp, uh, whether it's a new system or just encouraging players to play in different ways uh, that can just shake that loose somehow and yeah. create some more production. They don't need to be an elite power play team, but they might need to get better there uh, to score some of the if they want to score the same number of goals. You know, I've been looking at a little bit of, of that, the, the power play and even face-off percentages. And I've kind of linked the Kraken are the like 31st in the league in, in face-offs with a man advantage. So on the power play. And so if you're still losing a majority of your face-offs and granted face-offs are just a proxy for getting possession before somebody ats me on the X and <laughs> tells me face-offs aren't important. Who would do that? Uh, they're not as important. We know that. And there's better stats out there, but they're just not public facing. So um, they are brutal on power play face-off percentages. So if somehow the other team is getting more face-off wins, they're probably clearing the puck more often. And guess what happens? You don't have the zone time. You don't have the shots. And to me, that's a leading contributor to the power play. But to your point, it could be a static thing too. So the combination of everything, you're not getting the opportunities, you're not getting the shots. And then you're when you get possession, you have like this kind of kludgy, non-dynamic power yeah. play. What was that uh, word? Kludgy? Kludgy. I don't know that word. Is that a word? Yeah, I think so. You heard that? We'll Curtis? go with it. I've used, that, I've used that a lot. We're going to stick with it at work. Yeah. Leave that in. I like it. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to Google it. Um, uh, How no, do you spell that? I, that I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, your point about being too static, though, Curtis, I think I think you're spot on there. And I remember this one game, and I can't remember uh, what it was, but I, I just remember this moment where all of a sudden guys were moving around a lot, and the power play looked really dangerous all of a sudden. And I asked Hackstall after the game, hey, was there an adjustment? Did you guys change something? And he looked at me like I was crazy. He was like, no, we didn't change anything. Like, So I think it just was like a happenstance thing. But 
to your point, it was one of those moments where it was like, oh, if guys move around, all of a sudden the defense is confused. Like the the penalty killers don't know how to who to guard versus if they're just standing in one spot, there's only so many things that they can do with the puck. And so I would love to, you're right. I would love for them to get a little more creative about yeah. some of their setups. And, and I think John's point is also a good one. I mean, and again, in the in my mind, just in my mind's eye, it seemed like almost every power play, they were chasing the puck down yeah. to the other end of the they ice. Like, yeah. And it takes them, you know, because they weren't strong on zone entries on the power play either. Well, it takes Burakovsky them a minute. Burakovsky got hurt. Burakovsky was their zone entry guy. Absolutely. And he got hurt. It would take them the like a minute to get reestablished in the zone. And then you've, you've lost your whole power play. So I think there's certainly something to that, but I think it's all in. Can, can they, can they come up with some type of new approach to the power play that, that draws up the production? I, I, and one thing I also observed about the power play is, is opposing teams power play with like a huge veteran. Now, like, Boston, it's it's tough to say put Boston as a good example, but even Chicago, who wasn't a good team last year, when they had the power play, you know, you had Kane there, they looked lethal on the power play. And to me, I wonder if some of that is is familiarity playing with each other, right? A lot of these teams haven't, they, you know, where, you know, how how long has Marshawn and Bergeron played? Pasternak, yeah. Yeah, like, because they, they, they would do blind passes all the time and they would have like an empty net to shoot into right and and that i saw out of chicago too so it wasn't you know boston is elite those guys are elite already so i I don't want to kind of put it all on like oh yeah you have these elite players that have played together all the time well is it because they played together all the time or they elite? but my point is i think there could be something of that too where ideally there's some improvement because of the familiarity with each other yeah i think about i mean edmonton had like an all-time power play and obviously they have two of the best players in the world but if you watched them it's not a it's not a static you know they're they're moving all over the place and i think that's what makes it so so dangerous like you just never know what's coming um they need to find more movement um all right our last question oh no two more questions uh are they done are the kraken done for the off season is this the roster they're going into training camp with i think probably yes uh and we might not have totally realized it at the time uh but when they signed brian dumoulin to a cap hit in the three million dollar range you know that was uh, you know, essentially, they're kind of that they had room there for for one sizable upgrade. And once you slotted Brian Dumoulin into three million of that money, um, you know, there there wasn't a lot left uh, once you re-sign your other guys. So uh, I think I think this is probably the team they'll go with. There's about two million left uh, and uh, give or take about two million left in cap space uh, that they should have uh, when they go into the season. Uh, but just a, a little crack in contracts minutiae for you. Um, they're going to be in the same situation again this season that they were in last year with um, performance bonuses on Matty Beniers' contract. This year, it's even larger. He has up to $1.8 million in uh, performance bonuses. So if he has another really strong season, a lot of that cap money uh, might end up going to Matty Beniers' contract or coming out of next year's cap. Mm-hmm. But I thought the only way it goes into next year's salary cap is if they use LTIR. So it goes on to next year's salary cap if the Kraken use their entire salary cap this season. Uh, and then at the end of the year, it turns out Matty Beniers has earned these performance bonuses. Then there's a performance bonus penalty that'll go on to next year's cap. The Kraken had that this year. They have a very small one this year. Uh from Matty Beniers, it's like in the low six figures, like 100, 150,000 carrying over from last year. Anyway, I mentioned that only because I think the Kraken would prefer to avoid taking another penalty forward. So preserving the flexibility of about 
you know, $1 million, $2 million in cap space now kind of gives them the option come trade deadline time. It's like, okay, are we yeah. going to go all in on this team, add someone, uh, and then incur, you know, if Matty Beneers has a performance overage, we'll just deal with that next year? Or do they, if, if the, by that point in time, if the team has taken a step back, then they say, no, we'll, we'll keep the cap space uh, for, for Beneers' contract. Hmm. So are they done, John? I think so. Yeah. 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 I kind of think they are too. I don't want them to be because I still wanted a, a bigger upgrade this offseason, but I think they're probably done. Uh, which former Kraken, this is actually the last question, which former Kraken will Seattle regret letting go of this offseason? That's a tough one. Uh, I'm not sure the Kraken will necessarily regret it, but if you look on paper, who's going to have the best year? I think Ryan Donato could actually have a pretty good year. Hmm. Uh, I think he's going to get a lot more minutes with Chicago. Uh, might get favorable minutes as well, uh, meaning more power play time. Um, that said, I'm not sure the Kraken will totally regret letting him go. I think he serviced the team really well, and I, I'm happy for him. So it's my take. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, Daniel Sprong, he could have, you know, if they brought him back, could he have kind of served in the same role as last year and been productive, even if perhaps not quite to the same extent, but, you know, score on the power play, score off the rush? Uh, I think he could have, and I think they'll miss that. I don't know if it'll pan out that way in Detroit. Yeah, like, I don't know not. if, I, yeah. I think same reason, right? Like, I don't think he's, you know, they're they're going to regret it because he goes to Detroit and he lights it up, but there is a chance that what they replaced him with is they not, miss him, yeah. Right, they yeah, miss, him miss him more than more. they're like, oh, yeah, we'd, yeah. We'd, good point. He's really tearing it up in Detroit. Like, I don't think that's going to happen, but I think it's totally possible that they're like, man, we could sure use twenty-one goals on the fourth line this year. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually going to go though with Geeky because I just because I think his opportunity in Boston is going to be pretty good, um, just with who's departing there. And I'm surprised you didn't pick him, Curtis. I know Listeners, I kind of kind of gave it to him for it. I, yeah, I, that was been, an easy layup for you. I've been banned from talking about no. The Bruins. No, you banned yourself. Hey, what'd you think of uh, Bergeron and Marchand dancing at that wedding? I'll let the listeners decide. I've been banned from talking about the Boston Bruins. By whomst? Yeah. Who who banned you? Uh, that video was excellent. Okay. I, enjoy, I enjoyed every second no, of it. Talk away. Man. We haven't talked about the Swayman ruling. Uh, yeah. Well, so Jeremy Swayman is uh, my only Jeremy Swayman <laughs> thought. <laughs> Is that arbitration, his yeah. arbitration case? Yeah. <laughs> My only Jeremy Swayman thought is, um, you know, goalies can be very valuable to a team, right? Offer sheeting goalies is something that teams should think about. Oh. I know we don't offer sheet, no mm. one offer sheets anyone, but Jeremy Swayman got a $3.4 million outcome. And, you know, you could offer sheet him in that range for minimal draft compensation. And that's. No that's a potential rounder. 1A you no know, goaltender for you. No, I think it's it's a second rounder or less at that range. It's because it's the scale is driven more by like, you know, your forward. Yeah. But you, goalies just some goalies just get paid a lot less. So you could have really exploited the Bruins cap situation and gone after Swayman there. Not I'm not saying the Kraken that didn't make sense for the Kraken, but even though Jeremy Swayman's a Alaska kid, so it yeah. would have been fun. But anyway, so there you go. There's your Boston talk. Too bad. We got it. We got him. Um, you know how we have, uh, when I used to talk about the Wild all the time, we called it Minutia. What do we call it when Curtis starts talking about the Bruins? I didn't ask for this, listeners. No, but- um, We need to I workshop asked. that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll workshop it. Um, Boston, some Boston tea. Detail, like detail, like brewing uh, detail. Spill the beans. We'll call it spilling the beans. Spilling the beans. Like yeah. bean I really town. don't like bean town in Boston, but okay. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, they, they don't like the name. Uh, 
All right. Well, what do they like? I don't feel like Bostonians actually like anything. No, so. they don't. So spill the beans. It's okay, good. cool. Spilling the beans <laughs> with Curtis Izaki, brought to you by Sound of Hockey. <laughs> uh, okay, some signings of note. This is not Kraken adjacent in any way, any of these signings. Uh we can do it like interesting or carry on. Troy Terry, who is an RFA, he signs with Anaheim. Seven-year deal, $7 million per year. Pretty big chunk of change there. Is that interesting? It, it is a good chunk of change. I like him as a player. I know John doesn't, but I think it's I think it's a good deal. You don't like him, John? Is uh, it because he has two first names? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think it stems from Denver somehow when okay. he was playing with Denver. I don't know, I don't know why. Okay. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a pretty good player. Uh, Tom Wilson signs an extension with Washington that kicks in after the season, right? And it's a big one. Seven years, $6.5 million for Tom Wilson. A lot of people don't like that one. Yeah. I'll tell you. Well, a lot of people don't like Tom Wilson. <laughs> yeah, I know. But he's, you know, he's had some injuries uh, and he's on the downside of his prime, I should say. Mm-hmm. And most people are expecting a decline. So. Okay. Uh, Logan Cooley I think this one's interesting Logan Cooley signs his ELC with Arizona I think it's interesting because he announced this summer that he was going to return to Minnesota uh, the Gophers and then just kind of changed his mind he, 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 like, sent, he signed an LOI to go yeah, to, an LOI. Back to Minnesota <laughs> there you go oh that's good but yeah I, I, the third overall pick in 2022 looks like the absolute real deal just a stud stud offensive player in conference right? um, yeah, yeah I mean assuming because he could theoretically play in the AHL theoretically could but I doubt it but you think he'll go right yeah. to the NHL yeah. but yeah it is. it was kind of a funny move not funny but just like interesting move that he'd Kind of like the old bait and switch. It felt yeah. like a big deal yeah. that he was going back to Minnesota, and then all of a oh, sudden, oh, and he's not signing with Arizona. Right. That was the narrative, right? Right. Yeah. right. Uh, Philip Gustafson signs back with the Wild. Uh, he was an RFA, three-year deal for him. That's interesting because don't they have that Swedish we have a, goalie? We have a Colton Saucerman reference coming up here. Yeah, <laughs> stay stay tuned, folks. Wallstead. Yeah, yeah, but he's. Um, I mean, they also have Mark Andre Fleury. So Mark Andre Fleury is like ninety years old. Yeah, but when is Wallstat's supposed to make it to the NHL. I mean, theoretically, when one of them gets injured or whatever, he'll he'll get his opportunity. But um, yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. But Gustafson had a great season, so um, he and was. Wasn't, the, wasn't there a third goalie in Minnesota at one uh, time this year? That I can't. Talbot think was of. traded before the year, right? Yeah, but he Gustafson was part of the return for Talbot. So or I think it might have been one for one actually. Wasn't there another starter there though? It was Flurry then. Okay. Yeah. All right. It it just surprised me because of the wall stat. Yeah. I mean he's he's still there and he'll he'll get his chance at some point, but it, they're just not rushing him. So um and then yeah, so Colton Saucerman, he signed with uh who did he sign with, John? Sheffield. Uh huh. In the English hockey league. Yeah, the EIHL, sure. Um he's still out there. He's still playing. Love and Wyatt him. Wiley, former uh, Everett Silvertip, signs with the and Ontario Reign. Blake Stevens native. Sure. Of so, the AHL. So yeah. Uh, our weekly one-timers, whoosh, there's two. Steve Conowalchuk, our, this is our first weekly one-timer. Whoosh, Steve Conowalchuk, friend of the pod, uh, he will be an associate coach for the Colorado Eagles next season. So This is a unique situation because he has been the associate coach before okay. in the AHL. Uh-huh. Not with I the think, Eagles, though, right? And I think he's been in the NHL before, too. Yeah, before, I think so. After Seattle, uh-huh. I think he was assistant or associate, whatever you want to call it, uh, coach in mm-hmm. Anaheim. And then he went to Red Deer and then, or was he scouting for three years? Anyway. Well, that sounded like accurate information to me. <laughs> I know it all happened. He was a <laughs> scout for the New York Rangers after the assistant coach for Anaheim. 
Okay. Then he went to Red Deer last couple of years. That was right. He was assistant here. I'm gonna. I have the actual information. Thank you. He was assistant for Colorado Avalanche 2009 and 2011. Then he coached the Seattle Thunderbirds as the head coach from 2011 to 2017. He was an assistant for Anaheim for one year, uh, out of coaching for three years. That's and when then he was a scout. For he three was a years. scout. Okay, yeah. and then he was uh, with the Red Deer Rebels for the last two seasons. Yeah. So I was. In the ballpark. Off okay. memory, that's pretty good. Yeah, that was pretty good. Um, and then our other weekly one-timer. Whoops. I'm not sure how this landed in weekly one-timers because it could theoretically have been Kraken news at the top. But uh, since we last recorded, there was a leaked image of what could have been the Kraken logo for the Winter Classic uh, on a hat via Sinbin Vegas, who wouldn't reveal their source. Um, but it looks it looked like it was probably what they're planning to do. There is like sort of a nod, I think to the metropolitans. Cause it's like an S with the word Kraken kind of snaking through it, like almost like a tentacle. I like it. I think it's pretty good. I, I was curious what you guys thoughts were. I mean, I, we don't know if it's the official logo, but it looked kind of legit. So, yeah, uh, I liked it as a nod to the Metropolitans. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll see, you know. We actually, I think it's a nod to the Iron Men, to not, be honest. Okay. You think so? Yeah. All right, go yeah, ahead. They Tell are the more. ones that had the letters inside the S. No, no, that was the Metropolitans. Well, they're, they, the Iron Men had the stars. That was on the not. There were like four stars next to it. I S. think Iron Men have some, it looks similar to Iron Men as well. I think you're way off. I think you're way, way, way off. Way off. Way <laughs> off. <laughs> I could be. I could be. <laughs> So anyway, uh, that's that's been floating around up there, and if it's if it is what they go with, I'm happy with it. Yeah, I think I it mean, looks pretty good. But yeah, no, I, I think it looks pretty good too. I mean, we obviously we don't know what the jerseys are going to look like. If that's the primary logo, I think it looks pretty good. Yeah. Um, but speaking of things that we, we actually aren't super happy were, were leaked, I, I don't know. I I'm happy that it was leaked in some sense, but in another way, it's kind of a grainy picture of yeah. a hat and i yeah. prefer some nice rollout yeah, it's borderline it, underwhelming right? they they the kraken never have had anything like that leak right like think about how close they played that to the vest with the team name and everything else yeah maybe so, i'm just spoiled by how how well they've done yeah, in the past. yeah i know i'd like for uh, a more legit reveal but um okay that's our show um we're not doing x's of the week out of protests for them changing the name of Twitter? Is that why we're not doing X's of the week? Or is it because we just couldn't find any good ones this week? Not a lot out there right yeah. now. We'll so, let the yeah. listener decide. Okay. Uh, subscribe on Stitcher. Subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave your five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll read it on the next show. Hopefully, we'll record next week, but there's a chance you won't hear from us for um, you know another week or so, uh, just in case. If, if nothing comes up, we're not going to force it like we did this week. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's all I have, though. Uh, stick taps for Andy. Anything I'm forgetting before we go here, gentlemen? No, we're good. No, okay, thanks. Well, Curtis, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you thanks all for, for listening. Talk to you all soon for episode 249. Cheers. Cheers.